And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning. It is uh, back to Monday, unfortunately, as we <laughs> start another week. Uh, of course, you know, over the weekend, we had rain here in Houston. So that was actually a welcome relief for a change. You know, flowers liked it, plants liked it a bit. We'll take it. We'll definitely take it. Yeah. So, you know, we, uh, so recently we talked about on the show that I'd sold my house and we moved yes. into a rental house, right? Yes. So, um, you know, we used to live out kind of in the sticks for a long time. And East San Antonio, East San I believe. Antonio, that's yeah. right. Uh, way out there in Katy. And so we rented a house, uh, you know, that's kind of in Houston now, closer to the office. And of course, this is an older neighborhood, so it's got big oak trees everywhere. Oh, yeah. and very, yeah. you know, very, very woody. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> we have lots of squirrels. And yeah. so my dogs discovered squirrels over the weekend. Oh. So yeah, so now they're convinced that the entire house is infested with squirrels. So it is a constant charge out of the back door to try to find these rascally <laughs> rabbits that are now squirrels. So I posted a picture. If you follow me on Twitter at Lance Roberts, I posted a, 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 a picture this weekend because I've now trained my dogs to be alert to the word squirrel. So, <laughs> <laughs> no matter what they're doing, and it's exactly like that cartoon, that cartoon Bolt, which is where it came from. There was, right. a, there was, a, I think, a Pixar. I'm not sure about the maker, but I think it was Pixar did a movie called Bolt. Yes. And the the whole movie is these dogs will be very intent on doing what they're doing, and all of a sudden it'll be squirrel, and everybody just freezes. And and now, so now when I yell squirrel in my house, my dogs just freeze and look out the door. So. How did you incent the dog to to react to that command? I just kept pointing at the door, saying squirrel. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so now I've got to trade. So anyway, if you go, but I've got a picture of it on Twitter. So if you go to at Lance Roberts on Twitter, you can see the picture. Anyway, uh, you know, stuff I entertained myself with over the weekends uh, between that and writing newsletters. Uh, in the newsletter this weekend, we talked a lot about the market and, you know, what's been going on here. And of course, we've had this very, very strong rally in the markets. And interestingly enough, if you go back and look at this rally, um, historically, bear market rallies. Now, look, I'm not saying this is a bear market rally, okay? Just hang with me for a second. Let me throw some stats at you this morning. Um, historically speaking, the average kind of bear market rally runs about 14%-ish, give or take, uh, and, and lasts over a period of time. And what we saw in this, in this rally here was very interesting. We had a 17% rally, which is right in line kind of with that 14% average, a little bit more, um, but a nice rally. Only four stocks, though, made up the entirety, well, not the entirety, they made up 30% of the entire gain. So four stocks, Apple, Microsoft, Netflix, and Tesla, I'm sorry, uh, Apple, Microsoft, Meta, and Tesla made up those 30% of those gains. And U.S. stocks made up 86% of the bear market rally in the gain. So, so again, just a lot of concentration in U.S. stocks driving this market. Of course, we saw a lot of this in, in, in you know, meme stocks like AMC, GameStop, 
<laughs> we have our daily market commentary out this morning called Blood Bath and Beyond, uh, talking about the whole shenanigans that went on with Bed Bath and Beyond over the last couple of weeks and, you know, the stories behind that. So uh, that's on our website now, realinvestmentadvice.com. Just click on the daily commentary link on the homepage and you can read uh, that commentary on, on Bed Bath and Beyond. Um, now, now, what we said over the last couple of weeks, so here we've had this very kind of textbook bear market rally. Now, having said that, and we've pointed out over the last couple of weeks, there are some good technical indicators that are going on that are suggesting, well, maybe this is a little bit more than just a bear market rally. Maybe the bottom for the market was put in back over here because we did see things like a 50% retracement of the previous decline. We did see the number of stocks above their 50-day their moving average reach 90%. Those things typically occur when you're putting in a market bottom. Now, not always the case, typically occur. So let's, let's remember things can kind of separate themselves out from time to time. So we have seen these bullish kind of technical supports for the markets. And we've talked about these in the newsletter as well as here on the show. But again, we said last week that we were approaching two standard deviations above the 50-day moving average, running into the 200-day resistance. Markets were extremely overbought, and we were due for a bit of a pullback or correction. And that pullback would take us somewhere probably back towards that 50-day moving average, most likely. Um, we'll see where it gets us to. But um, what we're going to see is today the markets are going to open lower this morning at the open. Again, just looks like we've got some kind of that you know, kind of that, you know, profit taking, impacting the markets here. Now, it's not, you know, it's not, we're not opening down three or 4%. It's no, there's no kind of financial crisis brewing here. Um, looks like kind of a normal market open. Friday, we had a $2 trillion options expiration on Friday. So we saw a lot of stocks getting liquidated on Friday for OPEX. <clears throat> that led to a bit of that decline. So we've now had a confirmed rejection at the 200-day moving average. Stocks were down on Friday, going to be down a little bit more this morning. We're probably going to test the 20-day moving average today. So that's going to kind of be that first level of key support for the market, the 20-day moving average. Typically, that's a very short-term average. It doesn't provide a lot of support. So right below that is the 100-day moving average. So that's going to give us a little bit more support there. So again, pullbacks here, not surprising. Going to trigger both a MAC, we, well, we've actually already will trigger today, a MACD sell signal from a very high level. And importantly, um, when we take a look at these MACD signals, and we've talked about this before, these, these MACD signals, that, that's the moving average crossover to, uh, convergence divergence indicator, just simply measures the distance between uh, two moving averages. And, and when those converge and cross, typically you get, th those are more, uh, coincident with market sell-offs. And we're going to have that signal today. And that also kind of aligns with our money flow signals, which actually triggered on Friday. So our money flow sell signal has triggered on Friday. We'll get a MACD from a very high level today. That does suggest that we do have some more work to do here with this market. So this correction could run here for a few days. And, you know, we could see that, again, that pullback to the 50-day moving average, the 100-day moving average, somewhere in there. There's a lot of support in there. So if you go to our website at realinvestmentadvice.com, click on the newsletter link. We actually kind of laid out some, some levels uh, right at the top of the page in, in the first graph talking about where this market could, could pull back to. And we've got several levels here between about 4,000 and 4,100. So, again, 
you know, if I was looking for a place where I wanted to start trying to add equity exposure back to my portfolio, it's going to be right around 4,000, provided that, and this is the key thing, provided we get to 4,000 and work off some of this overbought condition. So that's the real thing. We've got to work off this overbought condition, get stocks back to being oversold without violating real support. And if we break the 50-day moving average, that's around 39, uh, you know, 39.50 right now. Uh, on the, on the S&P, if we break that level, we're probably going to retest lows. And that'll probably suggest there that the markets are starting to deal with slower economic realities, you know, still high inflation and probably the Fed hiking rates more aggressively uh, than expected. That's, you know, those are some of the triggers that can kind of get this market a little bit more off balance. You know, what's been pushing this market so far has been hopes that the Fed was going to pivot and you know, change their direction on monetary tightening doesn't really seem to be the case right now. We have Jackson Hole at the end of this month. That's just a, a few days away. We're gonna get really a lot of conversation coming out of Jackson Hole about monetary policy, not just domestically, but globally. And then we have the Fed meeting, the next rate hike meeting in September. So a lot of stuff ahead for the markets and September tends to be a weak month. We'll come back, talk more about money, markets, and everything that's going on. Get by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Click on the newsletter link right there. Make sure you're subscribed for a weekly email. Realinvestmentadvice.com. Stick around. Be right back. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Hi, Lance Roberts here. If you're like most people, your 401k plan represents the bulk of your retirement assets. And unfortunately for many, managing your 401k plan can be difficult. There's so many choices, so many things to consider. With just a quick email, a couple of questions, you can put RIA Advisors to work for you managing your 401k plan. Get started right now at the website, realinvestmentadvice.com, or simply call our toll-free number, 855-RIA-PLAN, or again, simply online at realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. back to the show this morning. So it's a very interesting market. And as we were just talking about a second ago, and again, I go into a lot of this in this weekend's newsletter. So if you go to the website, realinvestmentadvice.com, click on the newsletter link at the latest bull bear report. And, you know, we kind of go through a, a, through several of these issues, just talking about the market's perspective. And, and again, it's, you know, the last couple of weeks has been this real tug of war between the bulls and the bears and you know, on the one side, we've got these good technical indicators suggesting a bear market bottom is in, and there's a lot of other things out there suggesting, well, maybe there's not. And we've got some more work to do. And, and look, you know, the reality is, is that we probably have more work to do. And there's a lot of reasons to suggest that from earnings estimates are certainly coming down. We're getting, you know, fairly sharp contractions and forward estimates. Real rates are still very negative and stocks are trading along the line. Or actually, forward PEs, I should say, are trading in line with, you know, what's happening uh, with real rates. And that all suggests that, you know, there's trouble ahead, you know, kind of in the markets. And we, and we see this in a lot of areas. It's not just, you know, not just what's going on with stocks and earnings. We see it in a lot of the economic data. Um, there was an interesting article I had uh, texted it over to uh, Brent over the weekend and because and, I was doing some reading and, you know, and it was talking about 
half, 50% of companies, this was a, a survey conducted by PricewaterhouseCoopers, and they found that more than 40% of executives are rescinding job offers. Now, we've talked about this before. When, when companies are slow to hire and they're slow to fire, they're slow to hire because they don't want to bring on new employees when they're not sure about the economic outlook. And, and when you have good employees, you certainly don't want to let them go because they're really hard to find. Good employees are. And they're expensive to train. So once you invest the capital time and effort and, and set them up in a, in a desk or an office or whatever to train them to do a job, you certainly don't want to let them go. So, you know, it's, you know, they're very slow to fire until eventually the economy gets to a point where they really have no choice because they've got to protect their profits. And so, not surprisingly, the first step is to start doing things like hiring freezes. And right now, 52% of companies surveyed by PricewaterhouseCoopers have already implemented hiring freezes. And we talked about this on the show. Everybody from Tesla to Facebook to Google, et cetera, have all instituted hiring freezes. 40%, as I said, are rescinding job offers. So they had a job offer out, and you know, Brent had five job offers, offers that he was considering because he's a highly wanted man. And he says, and then all of a sudden, five job offers become one. And the good job went away because <laughs> he was holding out for a better job. That's what you get for being greedy, Brent. Now, what, what's interesting about this, this is the first step. Now, once, once you go through this phase, and then, of course, the next phase is where you actually start getting increased layoffs and unemployment starts to rise as the economy continues to slow. But this is that first kind of warning shot. Now, what this doesn't tell you, right, is what's going on in the entirety of the, of, of the market. And, you know, while PricewaterhouseCoopers, you know, they – survey big companies they're surveying companies that you know they do audits for so you know they're publicly traded big companies thousands of employees in a lot of cases so they're interviewing you know their their surveys covering companies like facebook google apple amazon you know those type of companies what this doesn't tell you is anything about the 60 percent of the economy that's all driven by small businesses nobody surveys them nobody surveys the mom and pop businesses that are going out of business or have had to start laying off employees, construction contractors, plumbers, you know, those type of things where, you know, it's these, you know, medium, small to medium sized plumbing companies or small to medium sized construction companies, whatever. And they're now having to lay off. See, nobody, nobody surveys those individuals, but they don't have access to public markets, public debt, they don't have an, an ability to raise capital very quickly through major firms. And so profitability for them becomes extremely critical. It's all about cash flow. And the difference for them is life or death, literally. You know, they can't go to the public markets and raise a billion dollars in debt to fund their businesses through a slump. For most small to medium-sized businesses, when a slump comes along, if they're not adequately prepared for it in advance, they go out of business. That bottom 60% of companies make up a big chunk of the employment in the country. They make up a big chunk of the economic activity in the country. And we've talked about the importance of small, uh, small and medium-sized businesses in the past and why 
when you take a look at the National Federation of Independent Business, that that survey of small businesses, you know, this is an organization that actually surveys those businesses. That tells you that the economy and the outlook for the economy is actually a whole lot worse than what some of the headlines in the economic data suggest. You know, their outlook for sales and those type of things, certainly not nearly as robust as some of the economic data that we see, like the employment numbers. And that tells you a lot about the economy. But what what this, you know, kind of story is telling you is that, you know, we're at a phase in the economy where we're not at the bottoming phase of the economic slowdown. We're more at the topping phase of the economic slowdown. And this goes back to the conversation we had previously talking about those first two quarters of negative growth that, well, that's not really a recession yet. And we're likely to have a bump in economic growth as we move into the last of the year because, again, you, you know, the economy kind of ebbs and flows. And so when you get a slowdown in economic growth like we had in quarter one, quarter two, not surprising you can get a little bit of a pickup, right? You just get a little bit of pent-up demand in the economy. People kind of postpone stuff for as long as they can. Then they have to go out and they have to buy stuff that they need. Kids are going back to college and, you know, all those type of things. So everybody's having to go out and spend a little bit of money to get kids back in school right now. So that's going to give us a little bit of a bump to economic activity. See that in quarter three. Quarter four, you got Thanksgiving, Halloween. Second biggest shopping day of the year. We've said that before. Christmas. That's all coming up. So again, another little bump to economic activity. Uh, you know, retailers have to stock up on the, you know, the hot Christmas items, whatever they are. And you see a little pickup in economic activity across the board. So again, what we'll see here is likely a little bit of bump to economic activity heading into the end of the year. But then next year, potentially, we get that slowdown that we're kind of looking for, that more recessionary drag in the economy. And so that's where we'll start to see some of this activity that we're talking about now, these surveys about, hey, we're, we're, you know, we're, hiring, you know, we're putting on hiring freezes, we're... Um, you know, rescinding job offers next year if things aren't improving, right, if the slump doesn't start to go back to growth in a pretty meaningful manner, then we're likely to start to see companies going, you know what, I got to lay off some people. I, I hired too many people during 2020, 2021. We saw a lot of hiring uh, because of all this demand we had, right? We had this surge in demand. They came in because of all those stimulus checks. And now that those checks are gone, the, the economy is slumping. But now these employees, the, these companies have all these employees they hired thinking that the demand was going to last longer. And so that bullwhip effect that we've talked about in the economy, and we wrote an article about that on our website at real, realinvestmentadvice.com. I'll spit that out. If you go to the search bar at the top of the website and type in bullwhip effect, you'll see the article. But we wrote this article about the importance of the bullwhip effect and why this is something we actually talked about happening back in early 2021 because of all these checks. And, and we're talking about the sugar rush in the economy and how when that, that stopped, you would have a, a very sharp slowdown in economic growth. And that's what we're seeing this year. And, everybody, you know, and, and what everybody tends, tends to forget is like, Going into this year, estimates for economic growth in 2022 were above 6%. We're going to be lucky to generate a 1% growth rate by the end of the year. See, everybody forgets about the estimates. 
you know, we listen to the economic data comes out and we go, oh, yeah, so GDP was, you know, X. And then we forget about all the revisions. But more importantly, we forget about all the estimates that were out there before. 6% economic growth this year, 4% next year, eventually getting down to 2% again, you know, getting to 2025-ish, right? We're going to be at 2%-ish by the end of this year, which ironically is about where we said it would be back in 2021. And because of those estimates, we all bought stocks and ran up the value of the market on expectations that earnings were going to be $240, $250, $260 a share, and that's not the case anymore. But now we're still holding those stocks based on valuations that were a function of overly estimated earnings. Now those earnings are having to come down, and we haven't adjusted the value of the market yet not to align with lower earnings estimates and outlooks. So again, this is why, you know, there's a risk going forward that we've got more downside to go. And, you know, we've got to be careful of that. And, and but, you know, you know the, the problem is making that bet. You know, you just saw kind of a face ripper rally over the last nine weeks up 17%. I mean, that's a pretty phenomenal rally. And, and of course, now we've got, you know, a few indicators here that are providing good levels of support, indications that markets have kind of stabilized here, um, hopes that the Fed's going to pivot rates and, and that the economy is going to kind of have a soft landing. That's always kind of the hope. So we've got to kind of navigate this. You know, you, if you try to short this market, be super negative, it could really work against you. But that's the challenge we're going to be in now for the next, you know, few weeks. And as I talked about, you know, we're going to have this correction. And if we're looking to add equity exposure anywhere, um, it'll be during this correction, depending on where this market finds support, where it finds a bottom. And when it starts to show signs that the current correction is over, that'll tell us a lot about what we do with allocations next. But right now, we're just going to have to wait, watch. Be a little patient. Be right back after the break. The Real Investment Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. In 1999, a para group of financial advisors were busted by corporate giants for trying to operate in their clients' best interest. These men promptly escaped from a high-cost margin environment to the Houston Energy Corridor. Today, still excoriated by their former employers, they survive as protectors of others' fortunes. If you have a problem about preserving capital, if no one else can help, and you can find them right here, maybe you should hire the RIA team. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. show this morning 6 30 as we get uh ready to kind of get the markets open this morning futures are pointing down about uh one percent this morning or so i mean uh s&p is down about 48 
points right now. Dow's down 307, NASDAQ down 209. And, of course, as we talked about, you know, four stocks pretty much led most of the rally um, that we saw over the last, you know, few weeks here. Those are the, you know, not surprising names, Apple, Microsoft, Meta, and um, Tesla. You know, of course, those are the biggest names in the index. So they attract the most of the money flow. So just by natural laws of gravity kind of drags the whole, you know, index higher. And that's been one of the things that we've talked about before in regards to, passive investing and you know kind of the distortion of the financial markets because of what passive investing does and as people buy more and more etfs it really just continues to really kind of confound this whole problem and and make stock picking very difficult and and you know we've talked about this before on the show that you know the problem with being a stock picker these days is picking the right stock and, you know, you may have, you know, and it was interesting because over the weekend I was doing a, our podcast on Friday with Adam Taggart at Wealthion, and, which is on our website now if you want to watch it. We went into a lot of discussion on, on the markets and money. And one of the things he asked me, though, is like, would, would, would I be interested in going, doing a show, kind of going through the fundamental stock picking analysis, right? What do you go through in order to pick a stock? And it was kind of interesting because as I thought about it after the, you know, after the fact, you know, it, it's a very interesting problem that we face today because of this whole issue of passive investing. And that's because let's say I do all the fundamental work. You know, every Friday, Michael Leibowitz and Nick Lane in my office, they, they, they do a, what we call our five for Friday report for SimpleVisor.com. So if you're a subscriber to SimpleVisor.com, you can go there, click on commentary and read the five for Friday report. And they go through five, you know, stocks or ETFs, whatever, based on some piece of analysis they're doing. And they're just kind of showcasing, you know, kind of what different things are going on in the markets. Like this past week, they did closed-in funds selling at a discount. Very interesting piece. But... You know, when they do these five for Fridays, and by the way, if you, if you just want to read the report, you can sign up for a 30-day free trial and, you know, then cancel after you read the report if you want. But I hope you'll stay around and check it out for a few days. I think you'll like a lot of the research there. But what's interesting about this report at SimpleVisor.com is that it does highlight, they go through, they go, we scan for these stocks, and we we generally post one in the bull bear report each weekend on the newsletter. Um and they go, we went, through th we went through these fundamental factors and we found these five stocks that fit these fundamental factors. Now, here's the problem with this. You may pick a really good fundamental quality company. And, and let's say that it's, you know, a, a smaller stock in the S&P 500, right? And so if you go look at the S&P 500, this particular stock makes up 0.1% of the index. And there's a bunch of stocks down at that level. But it's a good fundamental value quality company, can make an argument all day long why it's undervalued, why it's cheap, et cetera, so forth and so on. But the market goes up 17, 18% and the stock does nothing. And you go, well, that sucks. All these crappy companies with no fundamentals went up a lot. Why didn't my stock with good fundamentals go up? This is the challenge. And the reason is is that all this money's flowing into ETFs. And so when a dollar goes into an ETF, 
about 40% of that dollar go to the top 10 stocks in the ETF. So if you're taking 40% of every dollar that's coming into the ETF and throwing it into the top 10 stocks versus the bottom 490 stocks, what stocks do you think go up the most? That's the problem. You got, you know, and this is why we've seen this distortion in the markets, and especially this year. We wrote an article earlier this year talking about, you know, the devastation below the surface of the markets. And, you know, if you look at an iceberg floating in the ocean, you know, you see the iceberg, right? It's like, wow, that's a massive iceberg that's, you know, sticking out of the ocean. That's just the tip. And the bigger that tip is, the bigger that what's underneath the surface, right? You know, the, the, the amount of ice below the surface is much larger than what's above the floating above the surface, right? That's just the little bit of the tip that's sticking out. So, you know, when you think about that, that's kind of like the market. What you see above the surface is just the, the fraction of what's going on in those top 10 stocks in the S&P. And the reason the market wasn't down more this year, when you go look at all the stocks that are down, you know, 50, 60, 70% this year or more, you go, man, why isn't the market down like 30, 40%? This has been a major bear market in stocks. It really has. There's a lot of stocks that are down 30, 40, 50, 60%. The market's down 10. The reason is, is because those top 10 stocks. Apple's only like 4% from its all-time highs. Microsoft's not down that much this year. So, you know, there's a lot of reasons why the market doesn't always do, particularly today, what we think it should be doing. And this is part of that problem with that super bearish analysis. And... You know, there's a lot of guys out there who's like, oh, the world's coming to an end and we're going to have this major decline in markets and, you know, you know, the, you know, we're super bearish and got no equity exposure, whatever, right? And, and that's okay, but that's not the way the markets are working right now. And, and we have to factor in, and it's very difficult to do, and I'm, I'm not saying I've got it figured out at all because I don't. But we have to factor in this passive investing effect that is distorting capitalism in the markets. And, and more, more importantly, I shouldn't say it's distorting capitalism because it's not. It is in a way, but it's not. What's really distorting is price discovery. And we're not able to revert back to that very basic nature of buying free cash flow and buying valuations and you know one of the things that mike and i and nick talk about a lot is like man there's some stocks out here that are trading at cheap valuations and they're not doing anything they didn't participate with the rally intel's a good example right super cheap valuations hadn't done a lot AT&T, Verizon. I mean, there's a bunch of them. But they, you know, they, they're not participating because they're not Apple, Microsoft, Tesla, Facebook. And that's where all the passive investing money is going. Because again, every time I buy, you know, some index, that's where it goes. 
Now, is that going to change? I don't know. It, you know, the, the, the risk is something happens financially, economically, whatever it is. And these passive indexers began to sell ETFs in bulk. That's the risk. If you begin seeing a liquidation of ETFs, that's going to run through the market from the top down. In other words, Apple, Microsoft, Meta, all those stocks that have been holding up the market will lead the market on the way down as those ETFs are sold, which will require liquidation of those, of those big major holdings, right? That's what you've got to have happen. And at that point, it's going to be interesting because then the market will work in reverse. You don't want to be in the big mega cap companies. You want to be in the smaller bottom tier of the indexes, which have less outflows. And valuations will probably start to matter. We'll probably start to see some inflows into those stocks. But again, what will cause that? What will cause the average passive indexer to start selling stocks? Well, you're going to need some type of shake out in the markets that really invoke some fear. We haven't seen fear at all. As bearish as the markets got this year, right? And we talked about the super negative sentiment and how investor sentiment was, you know, at the lowest level since 2008. And it was, you know, a, a scary time for investors. They never sold stocks. You know, it was interesting because they're going, you know, the average investor was saying, well, I'm, I'm, this market sucks. It's terrible. It's all going to zero, but I'm not selling anything because I don't want to miss out. <laughs> and so markets didn't really do a lot. And yeah, we had a bit of a correction here and that's all we've been through so far. Now markets are kind of recovering and we're still in this correction type mode. But there's not been anything to invoke real fear. Volatility index never, you know, and you had this 20% decline in the S&P. The volatility index never got up to 40 or 50, right? Like we saw back in 2020. It rose a little bit, but now it's back below 20. I mean, there's no fear in the markets. So there's been nothing at this point to drive investors to sell those passive investments. Will that change? Maybe. Hey, if J-Lo can get married five times, anything can happen in this market. Be right back after the break. daily investment news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com in 1999 a parafiduciary group of financial advisors were busted by corporate giants for trying to operate in their clients best interest these men promptly escaped from a high cost margin environment to the houston energy corridor today still excoriated by their former employers they survive as protectors of others' fortunes. If you have a problem about preserving capital, if no one else can help, and you can find them right here, maybe you should hire the RIA team. The Real Investment Show. 
back to the show this morning. Got to go ape. We can't go squirrel. Got to go ape. So it was interesting. Uh, this morning, um, AMC, the theater chain, is offering out preferred shares. And it's very interesting. You know, AMC, which hasn't made money ever in terms of net income, <laughs> um, you know, stayed out of bankruptcy in 2021 and 22 because of all of the meme stock chasing in the stock. And as opposed, you know, this is something I'd said before on the show is like, I don't understand these CEOs. If these Reddit retail traders are going to run up the price of your stock, take advantage of it and do something with the money. Go make an acquisition. Go do something, right? You've got all this share value that's been created by speculators driving up your share price. Hertz didn't do this. We didn't see it with, you know, the cruise lines. Nobody did it. They, they saw their shares run up in value, and then they watched them go right back down again. And they never capitalized on it. Well, the CEO of AMC was actually pretty smart because when the stock ran up, he offered out like $500 million worth of stock, paid off all the company's debt, sold all those shares to the retail Reddit traders, put a bunch of money in his pocket, and took advantage of it. Then when the Reddit traders came back again and started running up the share price, he says, Great, no problem. I'm going to offer out preferred shares. And so today, the Ape shares, which are the AMC preferred equity, under the symbol Ape, because Reddit... And see, and this guy's genius. He plays to the Reddit crowd, right? They're, they're apes, right? This is the whole thing, right? That's what they call themselves. So he's playing the whole crowd. He's, he's like, oh, I got it. Let's see, I've got A, I got the AMC, I got the P, preferred equity. That's great. We're going to do APE. So he goes and registers APE, and he's now going to issue out these preferred shares. And guess what? These Reddit retail traders are going to buy them up from him. So he's going to put more funding into the company. Genius. And because of that, AMC will likely survive. But I've been to movies recently. My daughter and I like to go see movies at the theater. It's kind of our thing, right? And not that there's been any good movies to go see lately. That's another problem. Disney has completely messed up the Marvel movies with their whole woke thing. And they're going to regret that, I have a feeling, down the road. Even though they did announce over the weekend, or actually last week, they announced Phase 5 and 6 of the Marvel chain. But we'll see how they do with it. So far, the, the latest phases have not been great. But my daughter and I like to go to the movie, right? So it's, it's something we can do together. And, we, and she likes movies, and I like movies. And so we go get the popcorn, and we watch the movie together. And you know, it's, our, it's our thing. So we have fun. But when we go to a movie theater, it's us. Literally in the theater. It's been more than once that I've gone to the movie with her, and we've had private screenings <laughs> for seven bucks. You can't make money doing that. And if you take a look at AMC's, you know, earnings as of late, and it reflects that. In 2019, they did $5.47 billion in sales. In 2020, they did $1.24. 2021, they did 2.53. 
And shares outstanding went from 117 million to 477 million shares outstanding. That was that share offering we were talking about. Income is a negative 800 million. Now, I'm telling you this because it's interesting because all these people are chasing AMC thinking they're going to survive and and if and if the CEO of AMC keeps doing what he's doing, they probably will, right? If he can keep offering out equity shares, take advantage of these runs in the markets by these apes to sell them some stock, more power to him. And the reason I tell you this is the world's second largest cinema chain is now preparing for bankruptcy. In the ongoing collateral damage from the pandemic saga, the second largest cinema operator in the world, Cineworld, is, was down, had a big decline on Friday after it reported that the company was preparing to file for bankruptcy. Trading in London, its stock was down over 60% by around lunchtime on Friday trading. trading. Cineworld also owns Regal Cinemas, which you may know here in the U.S. I'm not a big fan of Regal. Only because the ones I've been to have not been real clean. But other than that. And the popcorn's better at AMC. But other than that. Regal Cinemas has already hired advisors to begin laying out the bankruptcy process. Wall Street Journal first reported late last week. It expected the company will file Chapter 11 in the U.S. and an insolvency, an insolvency proceeding in the U.K. Cineworld operates 9,000 theaters in 10 countries. <clears throat> it blamed the financial woes not only on the pandemic, but on, guess what? Lack of blockbusters. And that's been a real case. I mean, there have not been any really great movies coming out since pandemic and and i fault this on two things one is now the competition of trying to get movies out to fill all the demand right because you know you've got disney disney plus you've got netflix hulu you've got you know amazon prime all these all these streaming needs that are out there need new content to keep subscribers coming and paying that monthly fee so this means that i've got to produce something quickly and get it out there and you know pretty much now if if you've ever thought about being a screenwriter write a script because they're probably going to produce it because i mean the stuff they're producing right now is mostly crap but they got to have some content right i got to get it out regardless of whether it's good or not and so Pretty much this is a boon for screenwriters of anybody because if you can just slap together a halfway decent script of something and just kind of follow the formula, you gotta have you, know, you gotta have an action scene at the beginning, a love scene in the middle, you gotta have some kind of woke attitude about three quarters of the way through, then another big action scene at the end. You kind of follow that, you know, Netflix and Disney will produce it and they'll get it out. And and you may make some money with it. But the problem is, is that we're having to produce this stuff so fast, you can't produce the blockbusters that we used to have. You know, this is what I'm saying is like, you know, the, the best thing Disney had going was the Marvel Universe with Captain America and, and, you know, Iron Man and all that. Well, they killed all those characters off for the most part, you know, at the end of the, uh, at the end of that sequence, you know, Black Widow, the whole nine yards. And so, now you've got to create all new characters, but the way they're going with these all new characters are not appealing to the fan base. The Eternals was terrible. 
And this is going to be a problem. So what's happening with these movie theaters is a lack of blockbusters because there's too much demand to create content too quickly. So nobody's really spending the time to find and develop these big blockbuster movies. And without the blockbusters, you don't attract people to go to the theater. And plus, now that you're pushing the stuff straight to video in a lot of cases because you got to have it, don't need to go to the theater. So it'll be interesting to see how this works out. But despite the gradual recovery of demand since reopening in April of 2021, recent admission levels have been below expectations. Box office sales are down 30% compared to pre-pandemic. At the same time, there's been a double whammy for movie theaters. A 30% less films are being released directly to theaters. As streaming platforms are rising in popularity. That's the problem for theaters. There may well be the case that we are down to one theater chain at some point in the future, and maybe they go away altogether. It'll be a shame. But, you know, you don't, if you kind of stream your movies at home, you don't have to pay $10 for a bag of popcorn. So there you go. But it is, but you know, it, it's interesting the cycle that we're coming to, and you know, this is also where you kind of got to ask yourself, you know, people chasing AMC. AMC is no different than Cineworld, except they have no debt because they were smart enough to pay it all off. But they face the same problem in terms of getting people into theaters, and like I said, even now post-pandemic, you go to the theaters, there's very few people in the theater. All right. Um, one last thing here before we wrap up. I'm just going to save this for tomorrow. Put 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 the uh, our study on tomorrow's notes because I don't have time for it today. Because I really want to get into this. I've got a whole rant. I'll give you the headline for tomorrow, and I've got a whole rant on this. Study claims that more kids are fat and unhealthy because of global warming. I will leave you with that today, <laughs> and we will rant on that tomorrow as we also get into the reason why the armed forces can't recruit people that are physically fit enough to join the military. And it has nothing to do with global warming. (laughs) In the meantime, uh, futures still pointing lower this morning. Dow's down about 285 at the applied open here. So markets will be down about 1% this morning-ish. We'll see, of course, if we get some recovery, you know, during the day or not, or if we just kind of continue to have a little bit more of a sell-off here, which, you know, as as we said last week, sell-off here, not surprising. Where the sell-off gets us to will be the important point. We will trigger a pretty important sell signal today with our MACD indicators, unless this market turns around and runs up into a a big bull market run today. Um, But we'll talk more about that tomorrow. Get by the website. Our latest newsletter is out. Also, click on the daily commentary link to get our latest daily commentary on Bloodbath and Beyond. That's all there. Make sure you subscribe to both of those so that you get an email. We send out an email every morning for your daily commentary and on the weekend for your newsletter. So we'll keep you up to date about what's going on in the markets and your money. See you back here tomorrow. Realinvestmentadvice.com. It's a rich man's world.